The, the days of the command and control hierarchical chart where information is seen as a unit of power and is hoarded at certain levels, oftentimes at that mid-management level where it isn't allowed to, to be shared or used as some collateral, those days are over. Enchanted Sky Media. Media. From Los Angeles, this is Code 3, the Firefighters Podcast, hosted by award-winning journalist Scott Orr. Code 3 features interviews with leading members of the fire service, discussing firefighting strategy, tactics, and other topics you need to know more about. Now, here's Scott. That's right, and I will not let Parkinson stop me. Thank you for joining me again here on Code 3. You are listening to the show for and about firefighters. Let's get started. For just about as long as anyone can remember, the fire service has operated in a pseudo-military style. Members have ranks, of course, and complex org charts are a favorite PowerPoint slide. The similarities to the military include passing information up and down the ranks through the ranks. But today's guest says that's an old concept and it's become a recipe for communications failure. Brian Schaefer is the chief of the Spokane, Washington Fire Department. He's served in fire departments in the Midwest and Pacific Northwest over the past 25 years, and he works on several public safety and health-related committees. He's lectured on issues such as the psychology of decision-making, servant leadership, and high-performing organizations. And Brian Schaefer joins me now. Welcome to Code 3. Well, thank you. So, you know, the old saying goes, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. But you're saying it's broke. What's wrong with how we communicate now? Well, I, I think I'm saying we can always do better. And every generation that comes through our fire service brings something unique to, uh, to our industry and to our passion, what we do. And probably last three generations that have come through all have come with different expectations and generation after generation after generation have also added a complexity of technology and the advent of freer communication, access to information, and a general expectation of, of knowing and being a part of a mission. Back when I started, which was about 30 years ago, you know, it was shut up, look down, or hold on, and we did what we were told. And I think what you'll find now is the generations that are in our workforce, that are our volunteers, that are our residents and our paid-on-call folks, they want to know why, and they really care about why. And most recently, especially with Generation Z, they're really passionate about a mission. They want to contribute. They understand finite resources that we have on Earth, and they want to protect it. They want to protect people's lives, and I think they're more connected with the big picture than any of the generations ever have been. What we have to do as leaders then, both on the company officer level and at the fire chief's level, is we need to leverage those communication methods and the technology to meet that need. There's been a general feeling, I think, in management of a lot of organizations that 
if you hold on to information, you have more power. But what you're saying here is that we need to disseminate more information and that gives everybody more power? You're reading my mind here. Yeah, absolutely. The the days of the command and control hierarchical chart where information is seen as a unit of power and is hoarded at certain levels, oftentimes at that mid-management level where it isn't allowed to, to be shared or used as some collateral, those days are over. And um, more often than not, the, the people that we have that are in our organizations can can really sniff through the BS and they've got that ability to, to look for information on their own and to get their answers uh, around the archaic models that, that we used to rely on. Now don't, you don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. The command and control hierarchical model is extremely important on the fire ground. The incident commander is still the incident commander and those strategic decisions or objectives are made there and carried out through the organization. When decisions are to be made in an organization, the same rules. There is a hierarchical chart. People in positions of authority have that responsibility to to make those decisions. You can't supersede that. But when it comes to communication, that should be able to flow freely up, down, and all around through all the different planes of an organization without without any bias and, and certainly without any spin. So I think it's safe to assume then that you've tried to apply this standard to your department, and I'm curious how the results have worked out for you. Oh, it's painful. Okay, I'm glad to hear you admit that. Yeah, yeah, it's it's completely painful because um, you're talking about, an, in, in my case, an organization from 1884 that's done the same thing in terms of communication that we always have. The only difference is we added a computer. So the memo from the fire chief uh, about a rule used to come to the battalion chiefs, division chiefs, deputy chiefs, and, and through that line of progression down to the stations, down to the drivers, down to the you know captains, lieutenants, drivers, paramedics, and firefighters. That was the way that we've done business well over 100 plus years. And it certainly, uh, it certainly worked in the day that that's all they had. And when those expectations were at that level now, however, we're, we're changing out. We still have the remnants of the baby boomer generation going out and, and that, that third generation where people are uncomfortable stepping away from what they're have always done because it's different. And because they felt that they should be contacted first instead of possibly an all email or a message directly from the fire chief to the probationary firefighter or the probationary firefighter coming in and talking to the fire chief. Doesn't that tend to make the middle officers, the lieutenants, the captains, the battalion chiefs feel as though they are being gone around? For the purposes of communication, they shouldn't, and we're getting to a point where they're not. For the purposes of decisions, absolutely. The first thing out of my mouth when somebody would come in to meet me or I would I would meet and they wouldn't be my direct report, which is an assistant chief or a deputy chief, it would be, have you talked to your officer? And that that's specifically for a decision. New piece of equipment, a concern about employee X, or firefighter Smith, but when it comes to, hey, chief, why'd you make this decision? 
or, hey, chief, what are we doing with Station 15? Um, there's no reason to withhold that information. And with the exception of a very, very small minority, our our job is is really starting to understand that those old ways of doing things and those walls that have been up for years in our passive communication are completely ineffective and that it is no threat to a captain to have their firefighter talk to a battalion chief or to a division deputy or, or fire chief. It simply is um, an evolution in the fire service and growing past what we've always done because that's the way we've always done it. So is most of this communication done by email? No, not really. I mean, on Fridays, you can see me here in the job that I work out in the field, and I will just stop, and I always have, put myself in the system and just run calls. And I'll stop and talk to the crews. There may be a company officer. There may may be an acting one. I'll check on, you know, Firefighter Smith's new son, talk about that, listen to some of their concerns about the job. And it's certainly in a non-threatening format. And I'll tell you what, I learn more about what's going on out there from the people that are doing it and ways that I can make their job and their lives better than I can waiting for a memo from a battalion division deputy or an assistant chief. And that's what, that's what our job as leaders is about. It's about serving those people. If you can't get out of your own way, to get off uh, out, out of your desk chair and go do that, I don't think you're serving the people right. So you need to be connected with them and you have to meet them on their terms. It, I get text messages from our employees. I get retweeted from our employees. You have to spend the time and the energy with communication. It's a primary responsibility of leadership. I'll be back with more right after this. Don't miss your chance to get your hands on the hottest logo wear around. Code Free Podcast Gear makes you look good and tells the world you're a fan. Now you can wear the Code 3 logo proudly. Just go to our website, Code3Podcast.com. Click the banner and you'll be able to order an assortment of cool apparel and accessories. And thanks for supporting the podcast that supports firefighters. Isn't it true, though, that the chain of command as it concerns communication is intended at least in part to filter some of the trivial stuff from getting to someone in your position? Yeah, I see that as a filter, right? So, Right, and that's the question. Is it an important filter? I don't believe that, and I don't believe somebody that's really interested at the perspective of the person that's sending the message really cares about that person unless they, unless they hear it directly from them because I'll, everybody has a different perspective and the, it's just like playing telephone when you were a kid. As that message gets passed along, it will get filtered. Who's to say that, that a receiver, when a part of that message or an infliction is removed and it makes its way to the fire chief, that it makes its way the way it was intended? And I think anybody that's been that that leads employees and leads other people realizes that you can guarantee it's not. You always have to circle back. So why wouldn't it be more important for us 
to just get it directly from the horse's mouth or at least, you know, encourage that to occur. How large is your department? It's only about 400 people. It's uh it's a metro-sized department in in Washington state and it was founded in 1884. All of our members are represented by a bargaining unit. Uh, there are no volunteers and um, it's a very prideful organization, deeply rooted in, um, I would say, the the legacy and the history and uh, the traditions that matter. Honesty, integrity, uh, dedication to improving your craft, those things that I, I value and that our organization values, I think, are important. Taking care of our people is important. Doing the same thing because we've always done it not so much. The minority that we have that, that still think that way are slowly retiring out. And I think you're seeing that across most of the fire service right now. So you mentioned that the employees, the rank and file are represented. How has the union seen this? Have they weighed in on what they think of this sort of policy? Well, they're in the same situation. I think they're starting to change the way they communicate as well, because the, the emphasis for them really on communicating not only with their members, but with the people in the community is, is seeing the outcome of that, the outcome of their success is seen in the ballot boxes. So if they have a good communication method with their constituents, both internally and externally, they have a better foundation for people understanding their perspective and understanding their ideals instead of just being labeled as, well, it's just what the union wants or being termed a union thug, when most often it's not the case at all. It's connected to firefighter safety or a specific working condition that relates back to the health of their their membership. Again, it's really important to communicate with those different generations the way that they they uh, accept being communicated to. So you can't go to uh, a, a retirement home and expect your 120 character tweet to be understood or appreciated. It's probably not going to work, but you certainly can stop by and have a sit down meeting with coffee and talk to the, the people at that retirement home and probably communicate with them on a level that they'll understand and appreciate for the chief who might be listening to you and thinking, yeah, I'd like to give this a shot, how do you start it? Do you just one day begin begin doing it, or is there a procedure you'd follow? No, I don't think there's a procedure. I think you're just you have to you have to take a, a purposeful step to meet people where they are, get out of the office, get out from behind the desk, and and go see your people where they are, whether they're doing an inspection, whether they're on an EMS call, whether they're at a fire or in the station, go meet with them and spend time with them. Query the organization, see how they want to be communicated with. Ask, you know, we used to do uh, in-person meetings and uh, the survey results were that, that they were useless and they didn't appreciate them and they would much rather be communicated with on a monthly basis directly from me not filtered, but they wanted direct communication from their fire chief. So that's what we did. And then we followed up to see how we were doing. And I still meet in small groups with as many work groups as I possibly can and, 
and any free time on my calendar because that is important. It's just as important as standing up in front of uh, a legislative body uh, during budget time or representing the city during a significant emergency. That is just an evolution of the responsibility of fire chief. Sounds good. Thanks for being with me on Code 3 today, Brian. Yeah, thank you very much. It was a good, good time. And we put some more information about new and better ways to get information flowing on our website at Code3Podcast.com slash communicate. Check it out. Don't forget, you can support this podcast by making a monthly pledge. So if you get something out of Code3, you can help keep it going. It's easy. Head over to Code3Podcast.com slash support to join the people who are already backing the show. All right, that's it. That's all for this edition of Code 3. Thank you for listening. I'll be back next time with more, and I hope you'll join me. I'm Scott Orr, and until then, stay safe. Code 3 is a production of Enchanted Sky Media. To contact us, get more information on today's topic, or to subscribe to the podcast, go to Code3Podcast.com.